Genesis 37 is the story of Joseph. We're introduced to Joseph, and Joseph is a an extremely beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus in so many ways. But I was reading this morning, Genesis 37. I'll just start reading and making some comments. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And we'll skip down to verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Joseph was the son of his beloved Rachel, and as we read in a couple of chapters before, Rachel died in childbirth while giving birth to Benjamin. Benjamin would have been uh, the second child of Rachel. So Joseph is the first child of Rachel, and then Benjamin. And so this 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 young boy, Joseph, was greatly beloved, naturally, of his father, Jacob. Verse 4, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. This is a uh, a thing that should be avoided, just a side comment, a, a thing that should be avoided in families to show this kind of favoritism towards one child or, or another. And uh, it creates this natural envy and strife in the home. And, and this should be avoided, I think, at all cost. Uh, all the children should be loved equally. But uh, this is what happened in this home. And of course, the natural result is that there was severe envy, and uh, the brothers they they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. And by the way, I was also thinking about the meditation that Curtis brought a few days ago, um, of how Israel there's a blindness that has come upon Israel, and through that, the Gentiles have been grafted in, and I've been really moved by that because I'm a Gentile. Uh, Most of us, if not all of us, are Gentiles. We are the recipients of this great blessing of being grafted in uh, to this vine. And we are just as equally, just as rightfully a part of this line as natural Jews would consider themselves to be. That's why we we consider Abraham as our father. We see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Anything we read in the Old Testament, these are our people. This is our line. So you look at the prophets, this is our heritage. It's not the Jewish people. This is We're grafted in, and we are part, just as part, of this line as, as the natural Jews would be. And I was thinking, by extension of this, you know, when we when we think of our nations, okay, when we think of Scotland, I often I often think of the people that are on the call that are calling from Scotland, and the great burden, the natural burden that they have for their country, and, and I think to myself, I wonder why that is. I mean, I have a burden for America, they have a burden for Scotland. I think there is a sense where 
so much blessing has come through that land of Scotland or through England uh, centuries ago. And there is this tremendous sense of debt and appreciation and, and, and love of the heritage that, that has been handed down to them that there is a desire to pray for Scotland or for England or for America. There has been something passed down, a great blessing, a, a heritage that has been passed down to us. Well, how much more the, the people of Israel, the Jews, I mean, you had the prophets, you had the law given uh, by Moses, you had Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and all of the stories that you see here. And so you talk about a heritage being passed down. And that is why I think that we can uh, pray with Paul, the Apostle Paul. We're praying for the Jewish people. If anybody has a natural heritage that they can be quote-unquote proud about, it's the Jewish people. Um, just like the Scottish people can be, can be thankful and, and appreciative of their heritage, as, as can Americans. And so you can understand why uh, that there should be this desire, strong desire even, to pray for Scotland or for America or for the Jewish people this heritage that has been passed down. But we're grafted in. We're every bit as part of, of Israel as, as the natural Jewish people. But uh, there, there was this animosity between these brothers and Joseph, a real animosity. And um, uh, this, is, this should not be in the body of Christ. Okay, we can talk a lot more about that, but the unity... Uh, in the body is of of paramount importance. You read uh, throughout Romans, as I have been, and I've been just struck with the unity in Romans 16, saying, "Mark them which cause divisions, uh, and and avoid them." And this is the the one of the final exhortations of the Apostle Paul. But there was strife in this in this family. In verse five, Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. They hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood, stood around and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him, yet the more for his dreams and for his words. We'll just skip down and make a quick comment on verse 11. As the final comment, and his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. I found that to be a really fascinating little verse. His brothers, of course, naturally envied him. They rejected him outright. They hated him, rejected his words, all his dreams. But his father observed the saying. His father didn't reject it outright. Now he rebuked him in a, in a verse before, but he didn't reject what Joseph was saying. He observed the saying. And as he should, Jacob himself had an experience of dreams where the Lord was communicating to him a truth. And I'm sure Jacob was 
recalling to his own memory what the Lord was doing in his life. But that word observed, his father observed the saying. Just doing a quick lookup of that. That word is interesting because it has the sense of not just observe, oh, that's interesting, but it has the sense of sort of embracing it, keeping it, keeping it in mind, sort of protecting it, preserving it. There's a, there's a, there's a sense of just really bringing it into your heart. Um, you know, you remember when, when um, Mary was given the news of, of giving birth to the Lord Jesus, she pondered all these things in her heart. She, she brought them into her heart. And so Jacob here had enough spiritual sense to bring these into his heart and not to reject it out of hand. And just, you remember Eli. Samuel had not yet known the Lord, and the word of the Lord was scarce in those days. But Samuel or Eli had enough spiritual sense, even in all of his backsliding, he had enough spiritual sense to detect what was truly the voice of the Lord. You know, Samuel came to Eli several times that night saying, I'm here, you called me. Eli said, no, I didn't. Samuel said, you did call me, I heard. So Eli, it says in the Bible, it says he perceived that it was the Lord. And so my encouragement to us here just simply is, I know I kind of went all over the place, but my encouragement to us is to have have a heart that is perceptive to the speaking of the Lord. Of course, it's happening through the Word. As we read the Word, we're praying that the Lord will speak to us, reveal Himself to us. This is how we grow, okay? This is how we will advance. This is how we will uh, know our God. It's going to be through the Word, and it can't be a dead letter. I always feel very strongly about this. Every time I read the Word, I want the Word to come alive to me. I want to hear the voice of the Lord speaking to me so that, like the two on the road to Emmaus, our hearts are burning within us. There is something happening inside of our hearts when we have the Scriptures open to us.